Today's episode of Pop Culture Reference is brought to you by the Professional Cinema Society's bi-annual student film and video festival here at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. If you want to submit to this year's festival, the deadline is December 6th, and you can find more information on the Professional Cinema Society's Facebook page. Now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. Broadcasting live from a corporate dystopia, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Garrett Strother. I'm Ricardo. Hi. Hello. I'm also here. We have microphones now. Yeah, I wonder if that sounds better. I bet you it does. I bet you a little bit of our peas coming in on pop, 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 pop culture reference might be a little bit hard. Oh, yeah. Maybe. We need to get those pop filters, but at least when I'm listening to this yeah. on Sunday when it drops again, I will, I'm will. i sure I'll appreciate these you mics as well. listen to your own podcast i think we've done this we've done this bit on mic i'm pretty sure i don't know if that's true but i definitely feel like it is all right well you guys want to jump right into news let's do it What what do you got for us up top garrett well first of all there's a bit of a controversy going on right now with taylor swift she recently released a new statement commenting on her ongoing saga with her old record label big machine records She'd already announced her intention to re-record all of her songs that she recorded with Big Machine Records because she owns the rights to those songs, just not the recording she did with that record label because they're making a lot of unreasonable requests of her of late. But now it's coming forward that she's actually not even going to be allowed to perform her old music at the VMAs when she's honored with Artist of the Decade, which is a pretty big deal, but Mm. apparently they're citing that as a re-recording violation before her contract is done with their record label. If somebody as big in the music industry as Taylor Swift can get pushed around like this, I can't even imagine what it's like for people who, you know, aren't Taylor Swift. Yeah, for real. That's, I, It's just another tale of corporate scumbags being corporate scumbags, yeah. and I, I can't quite say that I'm surprised, but I do feel bad. I think that's about all we have to say about the Taylor Swift controversy. Uh, before we move forward with news, we actually have a couple of confirmations for rumors that we were reporting on last week. Uh, regarding the Batman and the Frasier reboot, so Seamus, you want to take know there away was about Frasier news? Yeah, I remember I brought it up last week. There was a, it was. I mean, like new Frasier. I didn't know there was confirmations. Official Kelsey Grammer announcement this week that Frasier 2020 is a go. Pretty huge news for a Frasier fan like me and Ricardo. I guess yo, Garrett, you're up in that list too. Of course. What am I talking about? I see but, how it is, Seamus. You I see just, as a second-class citizen. I've literally watched every episode of Frasier with Ricardo when we lived yeah. together. It, it was it was a it was a lovely trial of Frasier. Any word on the plot? I don't think so. Not quite yet. But I mean, I think it is summer 2020. So we really wow, do only have a few soon. months. Like I guess they've been working on it for for a while here, and it, it's sitcom. Where is it reboots. Well, I don't know. Nobody, I don't think any of that information is out yet. But I, I think there's no way it's not Seattle. It's got to be, right? The Frasier oh, like, logo is, on, is Seattle. I mean, like, is it on TV, TV? Is it going to oh, be on a streaming service? That's a good question, and I actually don't know what the answer they, NBC? I mean, if it would be NBC unless they're getting sold off to, like, Netflix or something. Oh, no. NBC streaming service. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't want to have to... I'm not going to buy the NBC streaming service. They're already putting 30 Rock and Parks and Rec on there. Oh, and if God. they have a Frasier reboot, that's going to be pretty tempting. But I refuse yeah. to get another streaming that's, service. Yeah, that I agree, Garrett. That is too much, man. I will not do it. Maybe it'll get lumped in with HBO Max like everything That'd else. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, in other confirmation of news from last week, we commented that we had heard rumors about Andy Serkis being in talks to be Alfred in Matt Reeves' The Batman. 
Matt Reeves sent out a GIF of Andy Serkis running down a rope line, high-fiving everybody in it, and it said, Welcome, Alfred. So I think that's about there as close to confirmation hey. as we can get without the studio that's coming out directly good. saying it. That's yeah. pretty good casting. I am very excited for... I know we say this literally every episode. I'm pretty... I'm pretty dang excited for this it's new coming Batman. together so well. It's it, going to be so good. It really is. It really is. In other streaming service news, we have the announcement that Nickelodeon has signed a multi-year contract with Netflix to produce both original content for Nickelodeon and uh, reboots. Reboots. It's going to be a lot of reboots, yeah. folks. It's new reboot series, a movie or two. I'm thinking definitely Jimmy Neutron. I know Riverdale, Danny Phantom is something that... It writes itself. (laughs) Oh, God. I I haven't gotten into Riverdale yet, so I don't know. I don't think I I don't know anything about Riverdale, but... Well, just to say, like, a a live-action superhero show for Danny Phantom, like The Flash or something. Yeah, sure. I... Weirdly enough, I thought of Danny Phantom pretty early when I heard this news as well, but I'm looking for my Drake and Josh reunion, Give me that honest. Invader Zim content. You're gonna get more Invader Zim. Gosh darn it, you're me, gonna get Give me it. another season, get me another movie, get me El Tigre, bring that back. I think this is a really good way for Netflix to counter the onslaught of Disney Plus to kind mm-hmm. of try to corner the same market because... Disney Plus, and we're going to talk about this in our main segment in a minute, is mostly targeted at like the 18 to 35 year old range. It seems really capitalizing on the nostalgia factor Mm. there, as opposed to actually targeting younger audiences who are still captive to things like Disney Channel that's on right now, Nickelodeon that's on right now. And so I suspect it's going to be a lot of the same kind of Nickelodeon content getting produced, like we talked about. Danny Phantom, yeah. Jimmy Neutron. I'm sure SpongeBob's going to be thrown into that mix somewhere. They're already there's a trailer for the new oh, one. Oh yeah, new SpongeBob oh, right. movie. I saw well. that with uh, Keanu Reeves yeah. because we cannot cannot escape the meme. Oh boy, I didn't I didn't see the trailer. Yeah. I knew about the movie. I didn't know about Keanu. Though. I love Keanu, but Disney Plus with Disney, we got Netflix, Nickelodeon, we've got HBO Max, Cartoon Network. They're bringing back Adventure Time. Oh, so oh, there. Is that true? Yeah, I didn't it's know that either. Straight up the trifecta. Okay. Wow. So that's going to be the new streaming war, I guess. I guess this is just where we are, folks. It's the battle of the nostalgia service at this point. And we've begun. The streaming war has. <laughs> oh, God. oh, my God. Episode two we reference. Reap the rewards. Do I think we, though? Are we just not rebuying We're getting everything? a lot of content. I guess we're getting. We, I mean, I say that like we're not about to do a whole episode on Disney Plus right now. My life I mean. is a teenage robot, too. All right, I think that about wraps it up for news. Let's move on to our main segment. Now it's time for our main segment where we're going to break down our first impressions of the streaming service Disney+. Plus. We've all had it for four or five days now, so we've been able to play around with it, watch some of the original content, and overall just get a feel for the service. What are your guys' first impressions? When did you jump on board? Because I I was pretty early in the game because I I don't really sleep. (laughs) So I was awake at like four in the morning. I tried at midnight when it was released, and I could not log on anywhere. I I tried on my PlayStation, couldn't download an app. I tried on my phone. They pulled that from the store pretty early when it launched, so I couldn't get there either. So I had to wait until the afternoon of the actual day that it launched to, to play around with it. I got, I got it on my PlayStation that morning, and like a lot of people, I encountered a lot of bugs. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a, <laughs> a little messy. A lot of messy. shutdown. 
Yeah, I got kicked off more than a handful of times. I straight up couldn't even look at the Marvel tab. That's what everybody was jumping to, huh? Which is weird because I think that's by far the most underwhelming tab that they have. Because it's not all of them, and none of their originals are out yet. Exactly. Like, Star Wars has all the movies, and it has The Mandalorian, which is already going. And then Pixar, they have all the Pixar movies. And most of the shorts, if not all of them. I think it is all of them. And, and then they have the entire breadth of the Disney catalog. Yeah, everything Disney's ever made. Most of the Marvel movies are on there. It's like half of them. Yeah, but a lot of them are tied up with Netflix and other streaming services. Yeah, that's true. I ran into a couple. Spider-Man they're never going to have on there. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I ran into a couple... Um, I ran into a couple things once or twice when I when I clicked on something. It was just like, sorry, check back in a month. We're tied up with uh, yeah. other streaming services. But I, I, I guess I appreciated that the thumbnails were there to let me know that eventually or soon it's going to be on there. Even with it only being less than a week old, there is so much content regardless of what's tied up yeah, in you Netflix. You get the entire vault. When you go through like movies A to Z, it's mm-hmm. a ton of stuff from steamboat willie to wreck it ralph 2 like it's it's a it's a good amount for whatever i'm paying a month for it and that's not even counting disney channel original movies a lot of hype around those disney channel (laughs) original movies if i'm being honest it has so much that i have experienced before i was able to critique better i was just like oh it's a disney channel original movie i'm gonna watch it because i'm a child and yeah man i'll watch twitches too Give me that Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior, and I'm all over it. I turned on some Phil of the Future, not an original movie, but a Disney Channel show. Some things are better left in the past, I think. (laughs) Does Phil of the Future not hold up? Phil of the Future, at least the couple of episodes I kind of scrubbed through, really don't hold up. And they were episodes I remembered Mm. enjoying. Did that one have a laugh track? How do I not even remember? No, I think it had zany sound effects. Weird. It was one I feel of like those. I remember that. Yeah. The ones that do have laugh tracks are atrocious. I did, we just saw one episode of Zack and Cody. And yeah. We were like, oh boy. Yeah. I, I started the pilot of Zack and Cody. It was one of the first things I checked out. I got through about a couple jokes. You want to try the Sweet Life on Deck? Maybe they got better. I don't know, actually. I don't know if they do get better. You want to watch the movie? They're insane I movies. actually thought about watching the movie because it's on there, ladies and gentlemen. All the Sweet Life content you need is on there, and I've never seen the movie, but I'm sure it it's ridiculous. bananas. Yeah. <laughs> Annie was showing me something which I'd never seen before because I, it was after I stopped watching Disney Channel. Shake It Up. We watched the pilot for with Zendaya? Shake It Up with Zendaya oh, yeah, and Zendaya Bella Thorne. Yeah, Being two people 13. with massively different career paths now. Yeah, truly. And Annie was talking that, about that a little bit too, and she's like, a lot of people online are really heated about the way those career paths go. That's not what we're talking about right now, but boy, that's a rough show. The show that they're on is Shake It Up Chicago with oh. a Ryan Seacrest like impersonator as the, okay. the host. <laughs> it's like, you know... The show in Hairspray. You ever seen yes. Hairspray? Yes, yes. It's like that, but for the 2010s. So and a concept that doesn't make sense for the era? A concept yeah. that makes no sense. They were making Usher jokes. Like, they were like, Usher, Usher's new hit single, on next, after the break. And I'm like, what year do these writers think it is? That's a good question for a lot of Disney programming, if I'm being honest. I don't know, man. I think once we go back through, like... 
I don't know, maybe... I'm trying to think of some of the more classics. Uh, hey man, the Proud Family still holds up. <laughs> the animated content still really holds up a Absolutely. lot. Kim Possible, The Proud Family, even Recess, I was kind of surprised by uh, how well it Recess. held up. Why did you look back at Recess? I did. I watched a couple episodes of Recess. Are the movies on there? They uh, are on yeah, there. Yeah, they are on there. All Recess three rules out. Thank you Another very much. Another movie that's bonkers. Oh, the one where the government is like doing it's got a Bond villain in it. Yeah, they come the... up against a Bond villain who wants to move the moon. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty insane. I might have to go do do a good little rewatch of that of that one. They got Darkwing Duck. They got a lot of duck content on here. Yeah, DuckTales, new and old. Watch DuckTales 2017. It's real good, you guys. <laughs> I probably will watch it now, like regularly, because I know it was already on Hulu. But what do you guys think of the interface? I like it. It's simple enough. Yeah. It's it's very Netflixy. They... It feels very Apple TV to me. Oh yeah, I can see that for sure. It's it's um, you know, they put their highlights up top like like a normal thing, but it's it almost seems like they're restricting some of their categories. Like some things I find in other categories are completely absent from categories I think they would be perfect for, and I think that is a little confusing if I'm trying to like scroll through and just like find stuff that I know I like. There, I know there have been a couple updates in the first couple days anyway, so they might have fixed some, some of that stuff. Yeah, I think they're working on browsing right now, and I think it's getting a, it's gotten a lot better even since when I first started playing with it. Because when you go to the search function, you can go to separate sub-menus mm. where they have like the Toy Story collection and the Disney Channel collection and the Disney Channel original movie collection. I think that's a nice way to browse. I want them to add mm. more categories like that. I'd like that. Also, something that I'm really frustrated by is there's no continue watching feature. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I heard that. about that, too. It remembers where you left off. So even if I was watching an episode of The Simpsons on my phone and then I went over to my Roku and played The Simpsons again, like that same episode, it remembered where I was, but it doesn't just have a pick up where you left off button. Does that mean you got to, if you want a specific episode, like if you're watching season 12, you got to go find episode 7, season 12? Yep, that's exactly what you have to do. It's super aggravating. Guarantee that's going to be one of the first big, bigger updates of Disney+, Plus. because yeah. yeah. how insane is that? Everybody, it's not straight binging all the time, you know, you need a little mm-hmm. pick up where you left off. Speaking of The Simpsons, there are a couple of things tied to those. One, not as much Fox content as I was expecting. I think, Ricardo, you talk a lot about how it's probably going to be mostly focused on Hulu. Yeah, they said that the, like, the, all the FX stuff that they own, too, that's all going to be on Hulu, which I'm, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, got them both anyway. Doesn't really fit to have It's Always Sunny on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that would be <laughs> a little much. Well, I think the idea is that they're only having up to PG-13 content. Which makes me a little weary about The Mandalorian because I want a little bit more from that, I think. But mm. it's all about the way you tell the story, so I don't really mind. But really, the only Fox things that are on there that I can think of right now is there's one or two Ice Age shorts, there's The Simpsons, and there's Avatar. They got Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and then Home Alone 3, the and one without Macaulay Culkin. The Sound of Music. That's true, I forgot about The Sound of Music. And that's all I remember. <laughs> well, I mean... I I guess I was pretty impressed by the selection that they had of their own original stuff. One other thing that's really frustrating about The Simpsons on Disney Plus is that they have cropped the original show from its 4.3 to be widescreen, and they're cutting off a lot of information on the screen, including jokes. I don't know why they're doing that, because a lot of older shows, like your Kim Possibles, are still in 4.3. They're preserved. 
but for some reason they decided to make The Simpsons widescreen. I feel like we could fix that. Yeah, right? it seems like it they've seems got like an easy fix. They own it, so they should be able to fix it. Hopefully, there's enough of a ball rolling on the internet about that. I I've guess. seen a couple of tweets, I guess. Yeah, but... yeah. I mean, I, just before coming here, I watched rewatched Cape Fear that episode. I didn't really notice like a huge problem. Yeah, I don't think it matters for every single episode, but you're also seeing a lot of weird pan and scan effects. Like, there was one that I was watching the other day where it panned up on Homer, and it was trying to keep his face in frame the whole time, so it jumped to mm-hmm. counteract him being out of frame during part of the pan, and that was really aggravating. Also, a lot of the visual humor just doesn't work as well. You're losing jokes. The Simpsons were one of the, the Fox... Uh, acquisitions there that I was most excited about going from pilot to current and I feel like that might take away a little bit of the classics but then again like you said if enough people are making the stink about it on the internet hopefully Disney gets wise and another cool feature of Disney Plus is the originals they're churning out one of which we've known about for a while now Disney Pixar Spark Shorts which are basically more risky slightly more adult Pixar shorts that they're working with. So there were a few of them that were already available on YouTube before the launch of Disney Plus, and the newest one, Float, was available on release. So before that, they had made Pearl, which is about a ball of yarn that goes to work in an office, which is about the way women are treated in the workplace. Uh, Kit Bull is about two abused animals. Jeez. And what's the third one? Smash and Grab, which is about robots that work on an alien mining colony. And struggle with free will. It's kind of Wally esque. Interesting. Yeah, I I didn't know about these shorts or that they had more of a mature tone to them. I think that's very interesting, and I'm gonna have to go check those out today. They're really terrific. I think those are one of the best things to come out of Disney Plus, uh, originals wise. We're gonna talk about the Mandalorian a little bit later in our segment, Mando yeah, Bros. Love it. But other than that, what other originals? They've got the World According to Jeff Goldblum, which mm-hmm. I have not checked out yet. Neither have I, yeah, but I'm either. interested. None of the Marvel stuff is launched yet. Very That's true. There's Encore with Kristen Bell. Which I will not be watching. Oh, High School Musical, the series, the, series, High the School musical, musical, whatever the show. it's called. High School Musical, the musical, musical the, the series. series. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Which the little clips I watched from it were pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, it the doesn't look like it's going to be great. on paper could have been funny. That's a weird meta concept for a mockumentary that definitely could have worked, but. But all the dialogue is so bad. <laughs> It almost reminds me of the Paramount Network Heather's show in yeah, a way of yeah, just yeah, like really writing of four teenagers from 150-year-old men that are in a, in a room dying together somewhere. I, we kind of breezed past Encore. Do you want to talk about Encore a little bit, Ricardo? I, mean, I didn't watch it. I just The concept is uh, Kristen Bell finds the cast of old high school, like high schools that put on musicals, those casts, and they bring them back and they like redo the show. Which, I love that idea. I don't know. High school plays are annoying enough when they're high schoolers, I think. And I think bringing that kind of drama into mm. adult reality show <laughs> sounds grating to me. It, the concept's fine. I like Kristen Bell. I like it's, Kristen Bell, too. This is also coming from a former high school actor, so... I mean, I, I was assault. a stage manager, Ricardo. <laughs> I was a student technical director. You Thank you they, very much. Garrett, Do you think they bring back the crew from high school as well? Because I Garrett, think that'd be very crew funny. aren't people. They don't have oh. feelings. <laughs> oh, God. I will have you know, in my senior year production of the musical School of Rock, I played Jesus. 
Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. Wow. Wait, he's in that musical? Yeah, there is a... School of Rock? There is a musical sequence where Dewey is singing about the top of Mount Rock, which has John Lennon, Elvis, Jimi Hendrix, and Jesus offering him a beer. So I was Jesus offering him a beer. I'd love to see that picture, Garrett. Oh, I've got it on my phone. Oh, and I want you to post it on our socials, please. I can see about that. I love this picture. I'm still looking what originals are at lunch. We got uh, uh, the Forky shorts. Oh, oh the Forky shorts. I only watched the first one. It's quite bad. Oh, what? no. I'm so sorry, Garrett. It's boring. It's not funny. It's, it's really stilted. It's like Forky for talks children, to right? the camera. Nah. Well, in this thumbnail, look, I thought he was just going to interact with Ham. I like Ham. He does interact with Ham, but it's not in a funny way. It's in really badly written dialogue. But Ham's funny. I like Ham. Ham is funny. And then I think the new one's Rex. They did another one. Yeah, it's called What is a Friend? I think we're in the... I'm sorry, Garrett. I know this is personal to you. I think we're in the, the downfall of Toy Story. I'm well aware <laughs> I of know the downfall you are, of but Toy like, Story. It's, it's not getting better. I thought these might be a little bump up, but... You were batting a perfect game... Oh. Shorts and all, and then they just yeah. crap the bed. Just really screwed the pooch on. Well, four isn't horrible. It's fine, but it's not. It's got problems, definitely, but it's not horrible. There are parts of four I like. Of course, I'm not going to say that I completely hate it, but yeah. Lady uh, and the Tramp with Tessa Thompson, and that other guy. Uh, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to watch it. No. I don't think I need to. If they have the original on there, why bother? That's exactly the right attitude. Just like they have the original Beauty and the Beast and the Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson. And and both Dumbos and inevitably both Little Mermaids and Mulan is probably going to be on there. It's just not... I think this Disney Plus itself is going to help kill that because when you are... Look at the numbers. Which one are people watching Exactly, and... What? Which honestly, I feel it might be the remakes because people are stupid. No, no. If it's if it's any... well, when the Lion King gets put on there, Lion King's gonna do numbers. So the remake. Yeah, I heard, I heard so many people dislike. Oh, that. it's awful, but it made money. I guess it made money. That's fair. But like, I think for who Disney Plus is marketed towards, people our age, it's gonna come down to: Would you rather watch the one that you have loved since you were a small child, or the desperate money grab? Yeah. That or the we same all understand. Movie. Yeah. Again. For sure. Yeah. Fingers crossed it kills it. But they have the Imagineering story, which yep, I'm just remembering. Yeah, the Imagineering stories on here. Which is all about this, the Imagineering behind the scenes. I can't imagine it's going to be any better than Defunct Land because mm. Defunct Land is a third party that can both criticize and mm. celebrate the work done by these Imagineers and corporate Disney, whereas this is going to be the purely Disney perspective. It's kind of like buying a guidebook. For Disney World, are you going to buy the official companion guidebook, which is only going to tell you the great things, or are you going to buy the unofficial guidebook, which is going to tell you all the hacks to surviving Disney? I think I'm going to have to watch at least a couple defunct lands and maybe give that one a shot just to... Oh, I'm definitely going to watch the Imagineering story. Oh, I know you are, Garrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noel with Anna Kendrick. Is that streaming already? Yeah. And Bill Hader. Well, I'm going to watch it when it's Christmas time. Because I'm not, Garrett. No, you're not, it's Bill Hader. I love Bill it's Hader. Anna Kendrick. I, I like both Bill those people. Hader. I think Anna Kendrick is pretty good. I don't know if I could do it to myself. I, You know what I'm going to watch? I'm going to go back to Netflix for that Kurt Russell Santa Claus oh, movie. The That's what I'll Chronicles. do. I haven't seen it yet. That's going to be my There's thing. a sequel coming. I've so heard. And I'm very, I don't know if I'm excited yet because I haven't seen the first one. But Pixar in real life. Oh, that looks cute, too. 
And is that just Roger Rabbiting Pixar stuff? No. So what Characters they do? Characters and moments from Pixar films are brought to life to surprise of uh, real people. So you know huh. those viral YouTube videos where there's something going on in public that's clearly staged, like a yes. flash mob or whatever. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but with Pixar stuff. Well, that sounds fun. So the first episode, they put the control panel from Inside Out in a public park in New York City. Uh. And then people came up and started hitting it, and the people having a conversation in front of the panel, the actors kept getting more and more heated or happy or whatever, decide, deciding what to do from the input of the panel. I know they're doing one where Wally just goes around the city. Picking like, up people's trash, making yeah. them feel bad about littering. Is That's that what I hope it is. I hope That'd it is. That'd be a too. great gag, just have Wally follow litter bugs around. That's wonderful. And also, I can't wait to see uh, Wally animatronic, because that's... They're really cool. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I know they're trying to pad out the Marvel tab with a lot of expanding the universe, building a cinematic universe, documentary stuff, which is really just a giant commercial for Marvel. I think that's what the worst of this original content is going to be, is just really patting themselves on the back of, look how great our branding is, look how great Disney is, and I'm hoping there's less of that and more exciting original content that I'm looking for, but... Final thoughts. What do you guys think of Disney Plus? Who should get this? Who should not get it? Who should take a pass? Breaking news. I forgot a Fox property they have. They have both sister acts on there. Back in the habit indeed. My God. So, if you like sister acts, get, get Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. <laughs> They've got both sister acts. I don't know what more you want. I think if you already have all of the other streaming services, which I know I had a good many in my lineup, I think... Maybe maybe trade one out. I don't know how you want to do that, but I feel like between Hulu and Disney+, Plus, those are going to be really the only things you're going to need uh, in the next couple of years to get some good stuff. But I think this is a really good streaming service for people who want a lot of content that has a good variety to it. I do think it's a little bit inhibited by the fact that they don't seem to have any content that's over PG-13, but we'll see how their more adult content fares, and maybe they might reappraise that going forward. I'm really looking forward to seeing what other kind of content comes out on Disney+. Plus. I'm really enjoying most of the originals that they're producing right now. Overall, I really enjoy it. I think that about wraps it up for me. Yeah, me too. I think I can echo those sentiments. Very, very fun stuff. I'm keeping my subscription. Me too, me too. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Where's Riley? Anybody have any guesses? Oh, God. Um, home, right? He's got to be, like, at home. The bathroom. I don't know if I've made that guess before. He is walking through downtown Milwaukee. He's on his way to Jersey Mike's, but he is currently walking through downtown Milwaukee. Do you want to do our pop culture reference of the episode? Let's do it. Our pop culture reference this week is the term MacGuffin. A MacGuffin is something that characters are after in a film or TV show that it doesn't really matter what it is. It just matters that the characters want it. Most Indiana Jones items are considered MacGuffins, Mm -hmm. and it was actually coined by Alfred Hitchcock. You can also see notable examples of something like the Maltese Falcon. or It's like one of the oldest examples, right? Yeah. The ultimate example, I think, is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction where you literally don't know what it is. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. It just drives the plot forward. The... Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian? Yeah. Star Wars is full of MacGuffins, whether it's the Death Star plans or the map to Luke Skywalker from the new trilogy. Let's move on to Good Place. 
And now it's time for the segment of the show that we like to call Hell is Other Podcasters. We're breaking down this week's episode of The Good Place, Season 4, Episode 8, The Funeral to End All Funerals. And what a doozy it was. <laughs> this was a pretty great episode. Uh, it's we so s- good. It's so funny. We start off right after the experiment has ended, right where we left off at the end of last week. Michael goes to the courtroom to see the judge, but the humans are not allowed to go because they're not going to let the humans see the numbers until after a verdict has been reached. So Janet, Eleanor, Jason, and Tahani decide to throw themselves the funerals that they didn't get to witness on Earth when they died. In the courtroom, Michael and Sean are having a little bit of a a showdown a running I'm rubber in your glue What's joke. What's Sean's actor's name again? Mark Evan Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson is so goddamn funny. He is so funny. He killed it in this episode. I think this is the best episode of the series for Sean so far. Yeah, yeah. He's just zingers left and right, really funny delivery. At one point, the judge says his name, and he just looks over her and finger guns. <laughs> also present in the courtroom are the Good Place Committee. Incompetent, as always, unable to reach any kind of decision. Meanwhile, the humans are down back in the neighborhood having funerals for each other. Tahani is in her private jet, where (laughs) Eleanor gives a really moving eulogy, calling her the best friend she ever had. They're all pretty moving. Yeah, Yeah, all the eulogies are. are, Yeah, because they have. Like, how long have they been together? They're counting all the reboots? It's got to be, like, like hundreds, hundreds of years. Hundreds yeah. of years at this point. A long time. Jason has his funeral in a pool. Oh, yeah. They, they Also, a lot of fun Weekend at Bernie's stuff with, with the Chidi. still frozen oh. Cheaty that they decide to bring along to these funerals. Yes. Very Weekend at Bernie's. It's pretty funny. Jason's funeral also has one of my favorite jokes of this episode, where we talk about Jason's mom. Say, oh, we lost you to the big sea. That crocodile that was by our house. Nah, just kidding. It was cancer. Which, great spin on that. Cause <laughs> yeah. We know what kind of jokes we get from Jason all the time. So, we're, I don't know. You felt it, right? Like, all right, Big C, we're waiting. What's the yeah. twist? And, Absolutely. and Eleanor and Tahani are also kind of like looking at him like, give us what the ridiculous thing is <laughs> that you think the Big C means. Also, real quick, I think maybe the my mom died when I was little mention, maybe that comes into the afterlife a little bit. Later oh, in the yeah. season, maybe we meet Jason's mom, see where that goes. But I think it'd be great if we got some like actual depth and character <laughs> from Jason. Just super, he's been actually he's been putting up some some good stuff in these last few episodes where he seems like more of a person instead of like a joke a walking machine. dumb joke. Yeah, it's working for me. A lot of Jacksonville Jaguars gear at his yeah. funeral. Oh, I, I like love the it. tuxedo he has on. Eleanor's funeral is in a house that didn't belong to her. <laughs> At a bar in a house that oh, does not belong me. to her. <laughs> Very, we're hitting all the marks. a great bit. Meanwhile, back up in the courtroom, we get to learn what the scores of all of the humans from the neighborhood were. Everybody improves, surprise, surprise, except for yeah. Brent, who is at negative one. Like you said, is it super surprising that he was the holdout of the four that didn't genuinely get better? Not at all, but what we do learn when we actually examine the graph of Brent's numbers is that he's going way down, way out of the range of even possibility for redeeming him, and then in those final seconds from the last episode, when he realizes that he's a bad person, 
and is starting to apologize to Chidi, his numbers start to skyrocket, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that mid-skyrocket, when the experiment ended, he was at negative 1% and didn't get to keep going past that. As Michael says, it left out the most important part of the experiment, who he could grow to be. Ted Danson is great at giving these really like impactful, like, speeches about humanity and the goodness of people. <laughs> he could do a couple commencement speeches. I, I, w- I would buy that wholeheartedly. Yeah, Ted Danson is doing a really really good job this season. I'd really love him to get an Emmy. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be... I'd, I could... I wouldn't be upset How by that at Janet all. Janet not have an Emmy yet? It's ridiculous. Although, a lot of good Janet shenanigans this episode. Ooh, we'll yes. see back in the neighborhood, Eleanor can't bring herself to eulogize Chidi's funeral which they're having in his study. But as a reprieve to her, they all get summoned for the judge's ruling up in the courtroom. That's where we learn that the judge agrees that the point system is flawed and that Michael is correct. But where's the other shoe, Seamus? Oh, I was waiting for that other shoe the moment she said that they were successful. Yeah, they won. Like, Yay, yeah, we you won. won. Mike, she looks at him and says, Michael, you won. And they're all hugging and crying and laughing and smiling, and then her big solution that I guess must have been her idea the whole time was that she is going to fully reboot the human race. A race everybody in the afterlife and on Earth start Mm -hmm. from scratch with a bunch of amoebas or something. (laughs) Yeah, just to form a new point system that isn't flawed as they had proven over the years' experiment. Uh, when Which she get definitely bad plot wise, but also I can't really argue with her. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the all the signs point to that being the answer for well, the Almighty Judge. Yes, because her argument is that life has become too complicated on Earth that the point system can't evaluate properly the goodness and badness of each action because of how interconnected and globalized the world is today. So that's an interesting way to play with that topic even more than they've already been doing so the judge goes into her purse to get the remote that erases everybody from existence pulling out <laughs> lip gloss season two of justified <laughs> no Which, sense but real so random funny. i like it though it's one very the, funny one of the best pieces of art ever created is season two justified, of justified. season two it actually is really good Seamus it's so good Margot Martindale is Esteemed on there character Ooh, actress Margot Martindale I love me some Margot Martindale uh, who else is on that season uh, Walton Goggins won an Emmy for it and I love Walton Goggins so much it's crazy you need to watch Justified Seamus if you love Walton Goggins he Timothy is... Oliphant continues to be one of the biggest badasses on TV I think you've personally rec centered me boys I'm into That season is flawless. Back to the afterlife. So she does find the remote, and as she's about to press the button, Janet boodoos the remote into her (laughs) void. The judge really doesn't like that. Oh, man. And when the judge goes to search Janet's void for the remote, it's missing. Where could it be? Oh, what's that? We got another twist? Love this twist. I should have seen it coming because I think we almost guessed something like this earlier but the bad janet that michael was keeping captive she shows up and she's got that book that michael had wrote about the test the entire time and so she's on their side now and this is where we get our wonderful spy kids three call everyone moment 
every so many Janets. It's a every Janet. Well, until the judge locks the portals, but we get a good like twenty Janets that show up, including my favorite disco Janet <laughs> on like roller skates. Like it's a great mix though of good and bad Janets and neutral Janets and neutral Janets because bad Janet had passed around this manifesto that Michael made to kind of infect every Janet with this idea that humanity is better than it's being portrayed. It's a revolution, baby. It's a revolution of Janets, and I'm all for it. So the judge is tied up searching every single Janet's void, which gives our characters time to stall, and they decide that they need to figure out a new judgment system for the point system, and who better to wake up and consult on that than a man who has spent his entire existence pondering different ethical quandaries cheaty and that's where we leave our characters at this episode is cheaty gonna become god essentially wow that is not going to make his stomach feel very good (laughs) he is gonna be ultimately destroyed by the way that the the insane responsibility that he's gonna just suddenly wake up to but yeah join us next week for hell's other podcasters now let's move on to mando bros This is a segment I've been looking forward to since the advent of this podcast. Mando bros. Mandalorian brothers. Brothers in arms. I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) But I do. The Mandalorian only on Disney+. Plus. Wow. The first live action Mm -hmm. Star Wars series that has ever been. This is The Mandalorian. Chapter 1. No subtitle. But we're starting with chapter one. No subtitle for this chapter, so I guess it's self-titled probably just chapter one, The Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. We start off, he's on a snow planet. Gorgeous cinematography with his shiny Mandalorian armor. Wanders into not just some same old cantina. That's what I really appreciated about this is it felt more like an earth bar with just a few rough and tumble guys in there. It didn't feel like we got the same cantina scene that we get in every single Star Wars movie. It felt new and fresh. Truly. It was so, I don't know, those first few, like, really good silhouette-y, western-y shots in that bar. It's like what I just said. It is so very much a cowboy western. Yeah, it's just the man with no name, but in space. But in space, which is, I mean, everyone can talk about how Star Wars is just a western in space in general, but this is like, it's hammered at home as much as at least I want. And it's given me everything I've wanted out of a Star Wars property. Uh, we get a nice bar fight as he's trying to get to his bounty, who's in a little bit of trouble. He slices a guy in half with the weird aperture door. <laughs> he goes up to his mark. He says, I could bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Exactly the badass I wanted and expected, and... We get a white transition. Classic. He hails a speeder out to the field where he's keeping his ship. Real quick, fun cameo. The pilot of that speeder, Brian yeah, Posehn. Stand up, obsessed with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine his joy to be a part of this, and I'm very happy that he got to be. Yeah, pretty good. He's funny. Yeah. He keeps telling them to keep off the ice, but surprise, surprise, there's an ice monster coming to get the Mandalorian as his ship's taken off. Kills Brian Posehn, sadly. He won't be returning. Immediately kills him, like, the second he pulls away. Following that, we get a very fun sequence of carbon freezing 
No? Do we get kind yes, of Yes, uh... this is where he mm-hmm. shoves his bounty into the carbon chamber, thankfully shutting him up. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that is Talking the roughest part of this show, I think. It, I think that's I, intentional. It's supposed to be annoying, but it goes on way too long. Yeah. It's too much. I can't take is it. Is it true you guys never take those helmets off? Yeah, some of that dialogue was pretty egregious, too. I wasn't yeah. wild They're about that. They're just setting up for his big face reveal You've later. Ever seen a whatever evacuate his thorax, or whatever yeah. that line was. Well, yeah. good it's thing we'll lot. never see that guy ever again. After delivering his bounties to whatever planet that the Mandalorian seems to call home base, we meet the leader of the Bounty Hunters Guild, none other than Carl Weathers, when the Mandalorian finds none of the pucks, which are the way that he gets bounties, satisfactory in Mm. terms of monetary reward. Yeah, they're like wanted posters, but they're holograms. Yep. Carl Weathers says, well, there is one job. Ooh, yeah. Love that. We get to go see Mr. Werner Herzog. Yeah, two kind of heavy hitters in a row Mm -hmm. there for cameos. An old Imperial admiral, it seems like, with what's left of his stormtrooper battalion there protecting him after the fall of the Empire. So some Nazis. Yeah, this is set five years after the fall of the Empire. Yeah, that's that's what... I read, at least. So, But we learn a little bit about our bounty. We learn that the bounty is 50 years old, that the Mandalorian has last known location of the person, and he has a tracking fob, which beeps the closer he gets. He is paid in a very rare uh, Mandalorian native material that he... He's given a sample and then promised a lot more Mm -hmm. on completion of the job, which he in turn brings to a very cool den of Mandalorian... There's like people. families. Yeah, like There's refugees. Like, yeah, it's, makes, it seems like a refugee a little, thing. A little shoulder plate made. Yeah, exactly. He, he uses that a payment of the material to get turned into a piece of armor that he attaches to himself. Looking very cool. Yes. Like some little flashes of backstory. Oh, yeah, his backstory there. A child, presumably this character being carried away by adults while violence is going on behind them, him getting shoved into some kind of hiding place. Gave me a little bit of Rogue One Jyn Erso vibes. Yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing. And now we're off to find our bounty. We're on some kind of sand planet. Maybe Tatooine. They're... It's unclear. Yeah, unclear as of now. But there are Jawas and sand and... Moisture we didn't see farms, any... Yeah, moisture farms. We didn't see any dewbacks no. or Tusken Raiders, so... Yeah, maybe. They don't put the planet titles in the like introduction of planets, so it does get a little muddy. But... And they intentionally, I think, blur out the sun every time you see it, so there might be one sun, there might be two suns. It just flares. Yeah, that's right. We get a very classic-y western... I'm I'm not remembering the guy's name. It's Nick Nolte. It's Nick, Nick Nolte's, Nolte's an, an alien, that's yeah. it. When he learns about the Mandalorian's business on the planet, he offers him help by giving him a mount and showing him where to go. The Mandalorian doesn't really like that, but Nick Nolte has spoken, and he when he speaks... I like that character a whole lot. Yeah, Whenever he makes a declaration, he says, I have spoken, and he follows through on whatever it is that he has spoken about, which... So he helps him out, he trains him to ride the Blurg, which is kind of this planet's equivalent of a Dubak, it seems like. I just thought about Liz Lemon the entire time. Blurg, yeah, me too. 
so it's a, essentially a horse. It's got big cowboy, like you got to break the stallion before you can ride. Yeah, that's vibes. why. That's why I was like very westerny feel to this part. Eventually, he breaks the blurg in. He makes his way to where the bounty is being kept. But there's a little bit of a wrinkle when he arrives to the location because there is a IG bounty droid voiced by the incomparable Taika Waititi. Taika droid's real fun. I like the way he moves. Oh, yes. yes. Very cool. Very sharpshootery. From 360 degrees, just rotating his body and arms to just blast everybody in this little camp that they find. Yeah, we get a real cool extended shootout scene, which is fun. Yeah, the Mandalorian gets down there to kind of protect his bounty, though initially shooting at each other, they agree to team up and split the rewards. So it's the IG droid and the Mandalorian taking out these droves of aliens. They don't say what they are, but aliens. They're raiders or whatever it is they are. They make their way into the armored door that they've been trying to make their way into by cutting through it. We get a really nice, the dust is clearing and yeah, silhouetted. Yeah. They walk into the dark room. And we uh, find our bounty. The first of many, I'm sure, big reveal of this series. The bounty is a baby. Not but, just any baby. It's a little, little Yoda baby type. It's a tiny little Yoda baby. Only the third of that species that we've seen in canon. There's Yoda... There's y- Yodel? Yaggle. Yaggle, <laughs> the female Yoda. Which is on the Jedi Council in The Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Yaddle. Yaddle, that's Yaddle. it. Yaddle. And then this little baby here, which... Um, Yodel? Huh? I'm calling him Yodel. Call, hey, maybe, hey, maybe they'll go that direction. Who maybe knows? Maybe that'd be interesting. But then um, Tyga Droid, under orders, is about to shoot this little baby, but... Our Mandalorian friend has some reservations about that. Shoots IG straight in the head. He reaches out his finger. Baby Yoda reaches back. That's our first episode. I fully expect more IG droids to be back with Tyga's voice to, like, aid later. That got me so good when they reveal it's like a little Yoda baby. I flipped out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a great reveal. Let's explore that a little deeper in... Chapter 2. Yeah, because there's, there's other weird things about this baby. Chapter 2 called The Child. Pick up right where we left off. He's walking back He's to his ship. Hover carriage with this baby who's it's just very cool. Cooing and I like the baby. The baby looks so good. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's puppet, clearly enhanced with CGI, yeah. like when it blinks and things like that, but it looks so good. It looks so good. It's real cute. It's a real cute little baby Yoda. Yeah, it's very cute. I, I imagine that's going to be a lot of toys coming up oh, soon. Oh, totally. Now that they've released this image. I, I'll have a little baby Yoda plush, probably. We get a really great shootout at the very beginning of this episode in a canyon where all these other bounty hunters have come to get the child. Because they, after the Mandalorian dispatches them all, have a tracking fob. So we know that there are other bounty hunters after this thing. The Mandalorian, the IG droid, these other guys, there could be more in the future, which is presumably so. Uh, He has a really sick opportunity to use his rifle, which completely obliterates whoever he shoots. Oh, I love that rifle. Carl Weathers made it seem like this job was very hush-hush, but he's just giving out fobs to everybody. Well... That makes me wonder about Carl Weathers' motivations, because he's only been in one scene of this show in the these first two episodes, so I want to know what big things are coming, because 
at Star Wars Celebration at the panel, they made a really big deal about Carl Weathers. And I don't think that's just because he's a big name. It seemed like he had a really big presence in the show. The Mandalorian's been injured. He makes himself a nice little campfire, very Western. And the baby keeps waddling up to him and reaching up at his arm. And I was like, I see where this is going. Where did you think it was going? That baby's trying to use the Force, Seamus. Ah, yes, of course. That baby, the Force, of course. That baby is trying to heal our Mandalorian protagonist. Oh, yeah, I forgot that's a thing you can do with the Force. Like, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like because I can't remember... Have we... What kind of force healing have we seen in the movies thus far? I very don't minimal. Think a ton, yeah. Very that's kind minimal. Of more of an extended universe kind of. Thing. So I'm curious if that's going to come back in a later episode when the Mandalorian's like fatally wounded or something, because I want to know exactly what that looks like. It's going to come up, Gary. You yeah. know he's going to get wrecked at some point. But then when we get back the next day to the Mandalorian ship. Jawas are there completely disassembling it. Goddamn Jawas. And what does the Mandalorian do but disassemble them with his disintegration <laughs> gun? He wrecks, like, destroys these little Jawas from the top of a cliff. As they're making their getaway in the sand crawler, he pursues and starts to climb the sand crawler, which is pretty great and very similar feeling to. Indiana Jones climbing up the tank in Last Crusade. Also, another very Last Crusade moment is when he's climbing and the cliff is coming on the side mm-hmm. and he has to very quickly get up. Yep. Love that. They they get one over on him. Oh, they shoot wow. him. <laughs> I love that. Square in his chest with <laughs> very... a paralysis or electricity thing. Yeah, yeah the, the thing, thing they that use they use on, on R2-D2. R2-D2. Yeah. Falling off the top <laughs> of a sandcrawler. Yeah. It was very funny. Although, yeah. what do you think when that Jawa gets thrown off the sandcrawler and just eats it? I loved when the Jawas were getting destroyed in any way because they're real jerks. They're Jawas. Like this show, for some reason, was the last thing that ticked me off that like in every movie, Jawas are huge jerks. Which I thought when we saw the Jawas that they were going to have what was left of IG in their little sandcrawler. After the destruction of his ship, he comes back to Nick Nolte and they go to barter with the Jawas and they say that they will give him his parts back if he gets them quote the egg so they ship off they go for a second i thought they wanted like the baby well they did want the baby they say they want the baby but when they say egg i thought they meant like the little cradle thing it's in well first they try to barter for his armor then the baby and then the mysterious egg yeah i can see how you could think that about the cradle looking like an egg he goes to get the egg from this little cave he leaves the baby outside at this point we get what I think is the beast from episode two. It doesn't have that weird, like, glowing part of its Oh, thingy. that's true. It's, it's, it's very reminiscent of It's just a rhino. Yeah, it's just a it's rhino. A, it's an alien rhino. Just a rhino with a slightly bigger horn. That rhino has the upper hand on the Mandalorian. That Mandalorian's covered in mud. His rifle won't fire. He's lost his blaster. He's done. Just when it looks like it's over for him. Bum, bum, bum. Something happens. The baby closes its eyes, reaches out its hand, and stops it. Lifts it off the ground. The beast is immobile. This baby has the force. Considering the fact that the two out of the three creatures we already knew of this species were masters of the force, it doesn't seem surprising. That makes sense. So this is pretty interesting, pretty exciting. The Mandalorian seizes this opportunity to stab that rhino really hard and Kind of graphically, this is, I think, the most graphic thing on the show so far, honestly. 
he goes into the lair, he gets the egg, they give it back to the Jawas, they get their parts back, we have a good old-fashioned fix-it montage. Love that. The egg and it's really gross oh, yeah, Teddy the Jawas Perkins type The egg, scene. Teddy Perkins style. It's it's gross, but I guess that's a Jawa thing. But anyway, we do get that great fix-it montage with the really good Mandalorian theme over it. Oh, yeah. Mm. Fixes up that bad boy. Him and, and Nick Nolte. Him and Nick Nolte do it, and there's a very kind of a genuine outstretch of gratitude where he says hey nick nolte you should come and be part of my crew like i could use you you're great and you've helped me so much and he's just kind of like i'm an old man i've lived yeah. my life in servitude so that i may be free that resonates with the mandalorian pretty well he's yeah. like i understand like i'm kind of disappointed would have been cool but yeah then we kind of take off and have another moment between the, the baby mandalorian and the, the baby, baby. Yeah. or the child i think i is just what said it's the called. baby and the baby Mandalorian, it's my two baby. babies. <laughs> but baby if he takes it off, and he's Star Wars <laughs> he's babies. <also> <laughs> we don't know how long his race lives. Maybe that's what's under the helmet. Oh Christ! But yeah, then we. It's I'm sold, boys. Two episodes deep, I'm hooked. This episode, I was actually more impressed with. There are a lot of really good action beats, especially at the beginning in the canyon where you don't exactly know what's going on, and you he turns his head and you see the reflection of them jumping the canyon in his helmet. Uh, the director of this, and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right, was Rick Fumiyiwa. Uh, the only thing that I'm familiar with that he's directed before this is the movie Dope from 2015. Oh, oh yeah, that I heard really this is a good, good. movie. Mm-hmm. Shamik more. Yes. I thought this was a terrific episode. The writing's been really great so far. I think John Favreau wrote both of them. Right, yeah. The first episode of The Mandalorian was directed by Dave Filoni of Clone Wars and Rebels. I think that about wraps us up for Mandalorian, guys. Let's move on with the show. Now it's time for Save the Rec Center. My rec center this week is going to actually be just a nice piece of tech hardware that I really like, the Roku. I swear by my Roku, Seamus and I were just talking about it. I think it has a really user-friendly interface. It always gets exactly what I want it to get. It had Disney Plus on release. It worked at midnight for me, unlike the two of you. It wasn't super glitchy for me. I think the remote is simple, easy to use, but it's not so small that you lose it, which is a big problem with Apple TVs. I just really like it, and I highly recommend it. My rec center for this week is actually kind of based around Disney+. Plus. Go back and rewatch the very early... Like, as a kid, I may have watched them. I don't really have a ton of feelings about, like, Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, but going back and rewatching them to cover my bases was very much worth it. It's it's incredibly impressive for the time, and it's got a lot of good, catchy music. So please revisit those. Ricardo, what do you got? I'm also just going to recommend something that's on Disney Plus <laughs> that I like. Uh, the little uh, the Mickey Mouse shorts from the new ones that started in 2013 from Paul Rudish, or Ruddish, however you pronounce his name, who's a great animator. They take it back to the 1930s inkblot rubber hose style of... Like character design, and they, yep. they're really funny. They're also doing a ride based on that yeah, style they are, at which is... Walt Disney World taking over for the great movie ride mm-hmm. in Hollywood Studios. I think that about wraps us up for this episode. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast, or you can email the show at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week.